Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Praise the Lord. Freedom. Freedom. You know, again, I'm going to kind of continue on where I was last week because I didn't feel like, you know, I was totally done. But, uh, you know, in, in, in Colossians chapter 1, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12, we'll start there. Paul, again, you know, just talking to the church here, and he says this, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He qualified us. Isn't that amazing? He qualified us in Christ. He made us worthy. He made us righteous through what Jesus did in the death, burial, and resurrection. Verse 13 talks a little more. He talks about how what this did for us. It says, and it says he qualified us and he delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. See, this is what the Father has done for us. You know, whatever lie the devil may be trying to tell you this morning, I'm going to tell you the truth. And the truth is this, that you have been delivered. You've been delivered. You've been delivered. I remember one time, you know, years ago, when I used to work at the, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, there was a great period of time. I had 10 years that I worked there. And, but I remember one day I came into work, and I'm a, generally I'm a pretty pretty uh, optimistic, happy guy. In fact, Kara, our whole family took a test one time. Dana and Casey and Kara and I, back when kids were living at home, we took a test, and I don't know what the actual title of it was, but it was kind of an optimism test. And let's say 10 was the, the highest. And, and uh, when we were done, Kara and I scored higher than 10. <laughs> we were higher than 10. We're off the charts, optimistic, you know. But I remember this one day I walked into work and, and I was just like hit in my mind, you know. You know, discouragement, we could give it different words. We'll call it discouragement. We could call it depression. We could call it oppression. But this kind of thing that settles on people sometimes and, and, and keeps them living in a place that's lower than God intends them to. And I walked into work this one day and you know, there was nothing wrong at work. There was nothing wrong with the people I worked with. There was nothing wrong with the mission of what we were about. But I walked in, and I felt like that guy on the, the, what, the Peanuts cartoon that had the little cloud around him. I, I forget his name, but, you know, you know what I mean, though, you know? Felt like, oh, oh. all right? I felt like Eeyore on, on, on the other cartoon. Eeyore, remember Eeyore? Eeyore was a donkey, and he walked around, and he'd, he'd always go, oh, my. You know, he just always had this perspective on life, which was not the kind of perspective that I usually had. And, and I, remember, I remember just going to my desk, and I was doing my thing, kind of, you know, you, sometimes you do stuff long enough, it almost gets robotic, you know, you just do your thing, you know, I'm at my desk doing my thing. And I remember, I remember at one point in the day, there was like, a, I had like a break, and I just went into an office that was just empty, you know, because mine wasn't empty, people were around. But I went into an office that was empty, and I just shut the door, and in there, I remember I just pulled out my Bible, and started reading and I read these verses 
in Colossians 1, 12, 13, and 14. And I remember I just said them to myself and I said them to God. And, and I, I, I prayed after I did that and I just said, well, I am just not going to be oppressed. And I, I, I command this thing to go from me in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you what, it just broke. It broke something because the word, you know, was given to me. It, told, it, it spoke truth to me about what Jesus did. I mean, I didn't try to figure all this out at the time, but this is what it did. And I just declared it over my life, and I walked away from that free. I thought, what in the world are you doing, devil? Messing with an optimist like me, you know? But, but, but you know, he, he's cruel. He's mean. He doesn't care who you are. He'll try to mess with your head. In, in a couple of my favorite translations here, uh, the Taylor version and this is just verse 13. It says, He rescued us from the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of His dear Son. He rescued us from the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom. You see, God doesn't want us trapped in a realm of darkness. He doesn't want us trapped in a realm of gloom. Another one said that He rescued us from the grip of the power of darkness. You know, sometimes darkness comes and it's like a grip on people. But Jesus loosed you from that grip. That was the Barclay version. The Jordan version says this. It says, it was the Father who sprang us from the jailhouse of darkness. It sounds like an Elvis Presley song or something, you know? Sprung from the jailhouse. Anyway, I saw Elvis back in the 70s, you know? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> It was a while ago. Uh, he says he sprang us from the jailhouse of darkness and turned us loose in the new world of his son. See, Jesus came to set us free. Free from discouragement. Free from oppression. Free from depression. You say, oh, I don't know. I, I tell you, you know, uh, I, I, I'm feeling like, I don't know if this is true about me. It is true about you. That's why we're talking about. You know, the things that we talk about here at church... Should I just tell you, you know, our, our basic, you know, our mission here at church is that you'd experience and express the love of God. Experience and express the love of God. But what we endeavor to do here at Liberty is to take the covenant that we live in and show us and talk about how we apply it to life. You know, when I get up to preach, I'm not talking about stuff I read in a book. I'm telling you stuff that I live I'm telling you stuff that this is how I live for 30-some years. I, I go, this is, I'm not going to have this in my life. Jesus set me free, and I walk free from it. It's, it's, it's something when you're a preacher and you have to practice what you preach. <laughs> I remember one time Dana and I were stranded in an airport. It was in, uh, probably it was in Denver Airport, because that's the one we've always been stranded in. And, and uh, I know the Denver Airport inside out. I can tell you the best place to sleep overnight in the Denver airport. And, and uh, we were stranded in this airport, and it was because of the weather, and, and it didn't look like we were going to get out. And I wanted, I, It was like a Friday, I think, and we were trying to get back to be in church on Sunday. For some reason, I like to be in church on Sunday because I was probably going to preach. And, and it, didn't, it was like a gloom and doom report. And, and, you know, this was the end of the day Friday, and we'd already, you know, try, tried to call all the hotels around the area, you know. I got on my phone, I was dialing, you know, around me and looking at different hotels, and everything was booked because of the weather. Couldn't get in anywhere. So it looked like we were going to just have to sleep overnight in the airport, and we did. And we were walking down the, the hall, and that wasn't the biggest concern I had, sleeping overnight, but the biggest thing was like, I want to get back home. 
You know what I mean? When you're on a trip and going away is good, but when it's done, you're ready to go home, you know? And, and I had reasons to get home. And, and we're walking down the, the, the aisle of the airport or the, the corridor, you know, with the, the ringing in our ears, the sound that, hey, the flights, all flights have been canceled. And, and I looked at Dana, I said, what are we going to do? And Dana looked at me and said, well, it looks like we're going to have to practice what you preach. I looked at her and I said, has it come to that? Anyway, <laughs> well, the good news is, is the next morning at like, I don't know, six in the morning, we had a plane and we got home and it was fine. I, I, they, they added flights to their schedule and, and we got out of there. The weather cleared up. So, hey, this stuff works. This stuff works. I can tell you that I do this stuff and it works. If it works for me, it works for anybody, you know? It works for Dana. It'll work for anybody. You know, it will. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I sit here with, with my wife sitting on the front row, and, and she's, she'll tell you what she thinks. And I'm sitting here telling you things about our life, you know, and she's, yeah, it's true. That's what we've done. That's what we've done. Dana used to struggle with, you know, discouragement. And I say she used to. That doesn't mean she hasn't had any, any temptations to be discouraged lately. But I tell you, back in, when we first got married, I saw her get discouraged. And I remember that in those days, I just walked, I couldn't believe that she was discouraged. How could you be discouraged? You're married to me. <laughs> I don't get it. Guys, we don't always get it. But I remember I walked up to her and I said, we aren't going to have this. And I just laid hands on her. I said, in Jesus' name, I commanded to go. Now, every time, that isn't a magic wand. But I'll tell you what, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in it. But in those early days, you know, uh, man, it worked like that, didn't it? At first. Then after a while, then, then it took you joining in. This is what she said if you couldn't hear her. We'd do that, and what, what she described it as, it would free her to the point where she could choose. Do you know you could be free and choose to stay in the cage? <laughs> but you can be free and you could be like that bird and fly right out of that place. You can do it. You can do it. Freedom is yours. I got to tell you this story because it's my story on discouragement. But I heard a preacher tell this one time. There was this woman who had a bird. I mean a, like a parakeet or something, you know. That could be interpreted different ways. This woman had a bird or whatever. But anyway, this woman had a, a, a little bird she owned, and, and this bird would, would sit in its cage. And it was a happy little bird. It would sing songs. It brought a lot of joy into the house. And, and uh, one day, this woman was, was cleaning her house, you know, and using her, her vacuum and cleaning all the corners, you know, how that is. You'd get in there with the, the hose and get all the corners all the, where all the dust bunnies are and and then she got up there and she was going to clean the bottom of the bird cage when all of a sudden this, this vacuum sucked the bird right into the vacuum. <laughs> Just went right in there. And, and uh, the woman panicked and was like, what am I going to do? And she opened up her, her vacuum and pulled the bag out and all the dirt goes flying everywhere and here's the bird in there. The bird's alive, but the bird is covered in, in, in dust, vacuum stuff. 
And, and the, the woman took the little bird, you know, who she loved. She took this little bird and washed out his eyes and, and, and set him on the perch, you know, and he cleaned him off, dusted his feathers, and, you know, and it's like, there you are, birdie, put him back on his perch. But the little bird lost his song. He didn't have a song anymore. And, and I say that because that's how some people are. You know, some people are like the little bird that got sucked into the vacuum cleaner of life and got dust all over them. And maybe you've come out of the vacuum bag and tried to wipe your eyes off and set you on a perch and, you know, but, and everything's, you know, you're living and everything, but wow, I've lost my song. And, and you know, that's a discouraging place to be. And that's the kind of place that, that God saw humanity in and said, I don't like that. It's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's my good pleasure to send Jesus to set you free. Jesus paid the price for our freedom. David, I want to read this one again in Psalm 40. Psalm 40 verse 1, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. That is something you need to know. When you cry to God, he hears you. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, right out of the vacuum bag, he set, he, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps. You know, wherever you're at today, you know, maybe you're in that vacuum bag. Maybe you're covered with dust. But I'm telling you what, you don't need to live the rest of your days like that. However it is today doesn't mean it has to be that way tomorrow. Okay? There's, there is a hope and there is a future for you. So David said, you know, he brought me up out of a horrible pit. You know, David was, was a wild guy. I mean, you know, I, most of the time I think of him, I think of him as happy. But, you know, when I read the Psalms that David wrote, many times David was at the, the brink of despair, of things that were overwhelming him, him, him in life. But he found this out, that when I'm in that place, when I'm in that place where, where I feel like the world is coming in on me and, 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 and the dust is all over me and I can't even open my mouth to let out a sound because of all this stuff, he says, well, what I can do is I can turn to God. I can cry out to Him. And He hears my voice and He takes me out of that place. He takes me out of that pit and He lifts me up. He is the lifter. He's the one place he said this. He says he is the glory and the lifter of my head. Sometimes my head needs to be lifted. You know, you know, really God did the first face facelift, you know. It says he's the glory and the lifter of your head. You know, because when you get in that dark place, I'm telling you, your face gets all droopy and all kind of down and oh my. But I tell you what, there is there's a song to be sung. And God'll give you a song again. He'll take you out of that place and he'll lift you to a new place. And David said this, he said in verse 3, he said, He put a new song in my mouth. Even praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. God will do that. You think God would do that stuff? Yeah, he'll, yeah a, couple, a couple people do. He will do that stuff. I can tell you he's done it for me. Um, Joshua 1, in verse 8 and 9, I just want to read that this morning for the direction that we're, we're going here. Um, in Joshua 1, 8 and 9, 
Most of you are familiar with these verses. And again, this is, this is instruction that God gave to Joshua at a time where he was in transition. Have you ever been in transition? Transition can be a discouraging place because what's familiar, you know, what you're familiar with has been taken away and you're going into someplace new. And, and you know, just as human beings that have flesh, we can kind of resist that stuff. We can resist transitions. I know some transitions are great, you know, but, but even the great ones take the grace of God, okay? And Joshua was in transition, so Moses, you know, was gone, and Moses was a great leader that, that you know, led the people out of, out of bondage and, and up to the brink of the promised land. You know, they saw great signs and wonders through, that God did through Moses, and, and, and Joshua, you know, is called upon to take Moses' place. What kind of intimidation would a guy like that face, you know, having to take Moses' place, you know? But I'll tell you this, that whoever's place you're taking, you know, you don't need to try to be them. You just need to be you. You need to be you. I remember one time I was in a service and, and, you know, there was just like a breakout move of God in the service. You know, the, the beginning of the service was just like, wow, wild and crazy. And, and uh, things didn't go quite the way we planned it, but it went the way God planned it. And I happened to be uh, out in the foyer at one point, and the speaker for that evening was out there with me. And, and they said, uh, you know, this was, was, you know, somebody that if I said their name, you'd think, wow, you might know her. They're, they're a confident person. They said, wow, what am I going to do? How am I going to go out there after all that? You know, you can think these things. How am I going to follow Moses after all that? They said that to me, and I said to them, I said, well, just go out there and be you. And they said, oh, that's it. That's what I do. I go out and be me. Isn't that a relief sometimes? You can just be you. You don't have to try to be Moses. I like Moses. You know, but I'm not going to grow a beard this week. Maybe. Anyway, uh, no, but uh, here's what God said to Joshua. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Verse 9 says, have I not commanded you to be strong and be of good Courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So, what, why'd you read that one, Pastor Paul? I wanted to tell you this that God's word is equipped to bring encouragement to you. You know, God said it to Joshua, He said, Take courage. Courage is the opposite of discourage. Okay, and, and God's word has it within it the ability to rise up in you and give you courage, to dispel discourage. God's word, there's something about it. It has power in it. Now, God's word is not God, but God's word reveals God to us. When Dana and I were engaged, Man, back over 30 years ago. And, and uh, when we were engaged, we were kind of different. Because Dana lived in Minneapolis, and I lived in Carfu, Haiti. So there was a big gap. 
and you got to understand, some of you need to understand this, that back in the day that we were engaged, there was no internet. There was not cell phones like, you know, we have today. As a matter of fact, it was hard to even have a phone in Carfu, Haiti in those days. Speaking of, Carfu, um, <laughs> anyway, so I mean, honestly, it was, it was an act of God that we even had phones in our place. When, when we didn't have any telephones, and, and they were extremely, if you're going to have a phone in Haiti, they're extremely expensive. And what we did is we, um, we loaded them up in, in someone's baggage that were, they were coming down to Haiti. And, and we had seven phones put into a bag with other stuff. And they had to go through customs. And back in that day, you know, uh, somehow as, as the missionary there, I could always talk to the guard at the uh, airport I, this almost, Dana, even when you would come, uh, that happened. I'd, I would be able to get in beyond the security and meet the teams when they'd come in. And, and uh, so I did that this time. And we walked up there, and they, they took this person that had all the phones. And I'm like, yeah, all right, we got phones in them bags. And they, they, they took them aside, and they made them open up their bag and take everything out. And he looked at it, and he said, oh, phones? You can't bring phones into this country. And I looked at him in the eye and I said, there was like a boldness came on me. I looked him in the eye and said, those are for the work of the Lord. The Lord has need of those phones. I said, I'm a missionary here in Haiti. I'm down here sent by God to help your people. I said, we need those phones. And the guy called his supervisor over and I said the same thing to him. Looked him in the eyeball. I always found that's a good thing to look people in the eye when you're talking to them. And so I looked him in the eye and I told him that same thing and the guy goes, Kind of secretively, he says, all right, listen to me. You go meet me. And he told me how to get to the side door of the building. He, wouldn't, he, 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 he confiscated them, but then he took them back to his office and met me by the side door, and he gave me all the phones. Anyway, that was God. That was an act of God. So when Dana and I were, were engaged, I lived in Carfu, Haiti, and she lived in Minneapolis, South Minneapolis, and, and uh, we talked on the phone once a week. See why I needed the phone. And, 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 uh, and uh, the other thing we did is we wrote letters to each other. And, and I'm not a letter writer. haven't wrote a letter since, hardly. And, but I wrote to Dana every single day. Every single day. And Dana did the same thing. And when the missionary airplane would come in on usually every week, sometimes every other week, uh, Dave Cavanaugh was the, the pilot He'd come off the airplane, and he knew I'd be sitting in the, the waiting room of the airport because that's how we got our mail, was through a missionary airplane. The guy lived in Miami, and he would, uh, he would just fly down to Haiti every week or every two weeks, and he'd bring everybody's mail. And I paid, you know, 10 bucks a month or something for the service. And, and so Dave would come off his airplane, and he'd see me, and he'd, be, he'd take his mail, and he'd go like this. He was teasing me because he, he said it was like they were scented envelopes, you know. But I'd get those letters. And you know what? Those letters weren't Dana. But you know what those letters were? They were Dana. They, they were showing me who Dana was. And I'd read those letters. I'd get a letter from Dana, and I'd read it immediately. I'd probably go somewhere nice and sit down, have a Coke, and, and read it. Because I drank Coke back then. But... Uh, uh, But I wouldn't read them once, I'd read them over and over and over. I'd read them all week until I got the next batch. It's two weeks if it was two weeks. Because they were telling me about Dana. And you know what? That's what God's Word does. 
It tells us about who God is. It reveals to us who our Father is. And it empowers us. It gives us something inside that breaks depression. It breaks discouragement. Man. Um, in John 8, 31 and 32, I just want to read these. And then I'm going to tell you one, maybe two quick stories. John 8, 31 and 32. Uh, Jesus said these things. He said uh, to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. Maybe you've been doubting God. I tell you what, his word will, will get rid of doubt. It will. You need to feed on his word. Discouragements come into your life. You need to hear what God has to say about you because it'll cause you to rise up. Rise up. Now, two guys I wanted to quickly talk about. One was Elijah, and I'm not going to read this word for word, but in 1 Kings 19, starting about verse 2, we've got a story about Elijah, the one with a J. And, you know, there's two prophets, Elisha and Elijah. But this is Elijah. And Elijah is probably most known for uh, being used by God on, the Mount, on Mount Carmel. And he stood up to the prophets of Baal who were opposing him. They were opposing the kingdom of God. And he, he stood up to them. And God, you know, you'll have to go back and read that story. But he actually, he, he, he had fire come down from heaven and consumed a, a sacrifice that Elijah had prepared. Okay? That's wild. I don't know if about you, but I think that's wild that fire came down and, 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 and when he prayed. And it wasn't just a random thing. Elijah prayed and, and fire came down and just consumed the, the whole thing. And, and Elijah had what you'd call a great victory. But then followed by this, this great victory was followed by this, this next thing that happened is that the queen heard about it and she sent out uh, word that... that, that uh, she was going to kill Elijah. And Elijah, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell it. Elijah heard these words about the queen coming to kill him and he ran like crazy. Okay? He ran like supernaturally. And, 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 and he ran and, and finally he found himself under this, this tree. It was a juniper tree. And he had what, what I would call a pity party. So here's a guy mightily used by God one day, and the next day he's fighting depression. Now I'm not just talking, depression comes in different, different strengths, but the kind of depression that was fighting Elijah was, was life-threatening depression. And, and, and he's sitting under a juniper tree and he's, he says to God, he says, Lord, I just pray you'd just even take my life. You know, but depression and discouragement are really kind of not logical because the truth was if he really wanted his life to be taken, all he would have had to do is quit running from the soldiers that the queen had commissioned to go and take his life. But he says, Lord, he says, well, you know, God doesn't make him feel dumb or anything like that. Aren't you glad he doesn't make you feel dumb when you ask him things? Because I've asked him dumb things. 
you know? But he doesn't make you feel dumb. In fact, he encourages you. And he actually sent an angel, and he gave him, uh, again, some, some, some angel food cake. And, and, and he, anyway, I just said, I'm just making this story as we go. He, he ate this cake, and it energized him. And then the, the, he talked to the angel, and the angel says, go and eat some more. And it says he ate that, that bread from heaven, and it says he ran in the strength of it. How long did he run in the strength of it for? Like 40 days, okay? I'm not totally not reading this, but I'm, I'm, if, I, if I miss the day, it might have been 39, 40 days, I think. But he ran in the strength of it. Here's the thing, though. He got up from that place, not just of the juniper tree, but he got up from that place of darkness and gloom, and he ran free. Like the little bird, he flew out of that cage. How did he do that? Because God sent an angel and gave him bread from heaven, and that bread energized him, and he ran in the freedom of it. Uh, let me tell you something. This stuff is bread from heaven. This is bread from heaven. You may not have an angel come to you, but I'm telling you what, the word will perk you up. The word will give you fuel to run on. Yeah. Good preaching, Pastor Paul. Yeah, that's right. It's true. It's the word. This is stuff I do. And this is stuff I found works. Can I tell you this? This is just, this isn't even the word, but this is just advice I'd give you, is do not make life decisions under the juniper tree. Do you know what I'm saying when I say that? When you're in a place of discouragement, do not use that time to make life decisions. Get out of that place. You could say this, get on the mountaintop and from that place, make life decisions. You know, if you make plans and you make roadmaps from, we'll call it, under the juniper tree. I have nothing against juniper trees, but you understand, again, what I'm saying. When you make roadmaps from there, I'll tell you what, it leads you in a place that isn't God's best. Okay? The other person I wanted to talk about was David. And this is a great story, and it really it, 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 it begs to be read and it's in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and you could read at least verses 1 through 19, and you may read more, but, but here's, I'm going to just give you the story again in a nutshell. David was a mighty warrior of God. God used him, you know, time and time again. In fact, David actually the men that were raised up and, and fought with him in many battles. Why was there so many battles being fought in the Old Testament? Man, you know, it's like Micah said that day. He says, yeah, he's got some action in that Old Testament. I'll tell you, there's battles being fought today, but they're being fought spiritually. The battles you see in the Old Testament where they, they had war and everything, you know, I mean, yeah, they happened. It was a different covenant. It was a different phase of life. But those battles are happening today, but they happen spiritually. We get in battles all the time. We got some mighty men that are raised up here in this place. And women, okay? Uh, so in any case, they, they, um, they were out, you know, doing their stuff, doing their mighty men stuff. And they came back, they came back to their hometown. I'm not going to get messed up with names. There's a place called Ziklag, and I know my tongue will mess that up. But anyway, they came back home, and here was the deal. You know, they came back home tired because they had been in battle. Have you ever been in battle and you got a little tired? 
You ever been in a spiritual battle and you just, man, you wanted to sit back in your spiritual lazy boy and drink a lemonade? Well, that's how these guys were. They, were. they had been out in battle. They came back. They were tired. But when they got home, they found that the enemy had invaded their town. And they had not only taken their stuff, but they had taken their wives and their children. And they'd taken them captive. And, and, and I'm telling you, man, it's, it's, it's bad to lose your wife and kids and then lose your stuff as well. I mean, you don't even have the lazy boy to sit in. You don't even have your desk to sit in to plot strategy. You don't have nothing that's familiar. And, and, and it says that these mighty men, it, this, this is what gets me, it says that they wept. And they wept so hard, they wept until they didn't have any more strength. Now that is the despair. That is discouragement. And, 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 and then their minds started going. Because you, you get in a place of discouragement, and I'm telling you what, it, it activates other thoughts. Thoughts that you wouldn't make, you know, or even have on a normal day, and you certainly wouldn't have if you were on a mountaintop. But you get these thoughts rolling around in your head, and that's why I say, man, don't make these major plans when you're discouraged. But they, they got these thoughts rolling around in their head. They said, hey, David, you know, if we weren't out following him around, we would probably wouldn't be in this mess. Let's just get David and kill him. Irrational, but I'm telling you what, that's how the devil works. So David even hears about this, and it's bad enough. His wives, his wives okay, I mean, that's a different time than, than we live in. He had a couple wives, you know. I'm not telling you to go get a couple wives, you know, right? You know, I mean, let's live, live today. But, but uh, you know, and his kids, everything was gone. And, and now he finds out that he's a target of his own men. Oh, that's discouraging. But I love what David did. And what David did is he called for the priest and they brought him this, this thing. He says, bring me the ephod. Now, I don't know about you, but I had to Google it and see what an ephod was. And you know, <laughs> I should know and I have known, but I just wanted to refresh myself. An ephod was a garment of the priest. You know, it was, a, it was a nice looking garment. It was a garment they put on when they'd go into the presence of God. So, in essence, what David was doing, and I'll tell you, you don't need to have that, that to get in the presence of God today. You know that? You can say Jesus and you're in the presence of God. You walk in the room, you're in the presence of God. You carry God with you. Sometimes we carry him with us unaware. But David said, I'm bringing everything to attention. I'm getting my senses in line. I'm walking into the presence of God. And he, 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 he worshiped God. Now, you know what? This is not easy to do. It's not easy to do. What I'm telling you today is, you know, it's simple. But it's not easy when you're in that place. Because when you're in a place of discouragement and despair, I think I said this last week, this is what you want to do. You want to do nothing. You want to cover up. You know, you know what a cat is like? When a cat gets scared or a cat gets hurt, they run under the bed and they hide. Sometimes you don't see the cat for a day you know, or more because they're hiding. But David, he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in the presence of God. And this thing is going to turn around. It's going to break. So David got in the presence of God. He got a word from heaven and he stood up. Again, you can read all this in 1 Samuel 30. He stood up. He got his men together. They went out and they took on the enemy. And the Bible says this, that they took back everything the enemy had stolen. And they lacked nothing. 
I think that's in verse 19. Tell you what, God has deliverance for you. It's been accomplished. It's been provided through Jesus. You know, life is not always easy, but sometimes we got to shake off the dust. We got to sit on our perch and we got to say, Lord, I'm counting on you to give me the song to sing. Freedom belongs to you. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.